FIRA USA 2022 will be the unique three-day event dedicated to autonomous agriculture and agricultural robotics solutions. Featuring one day of R&D, one day of farm business speakers, and an in-field demo day, FIRA USA will take place this fall, October 18th to 20th, 2022, in Fresno, California. Discover the latest innovations from manufacturers on robotic and autonomous solutions that can take your farm to the next level. Visit fira-agtech.com. That's fira, F-I-R-A-A-G-T-E-C-H.com for more information and to register today. Spotlight. I'm Chrissy Wozniak. Joining me today are three inspirational women dedicated to strengthening the agriculture industry. Today, we're going to take a look at the history and mission behind Annie's Project. Annie's Project is an educational program for farm and ranch women designed to improve women's business and decision-making skills. I want to first introduce Ruth Hamilton. She's a retired farm business management and marketing extension educator with 30-plus years with the University of Illinois Extension, and adding to her many accomplishments, she's also founder of Annie's Project. Next, I want to introduce uh, Annie's Annie's Project co-CEO, Dr. Carisha Devlin. She's a field specialist in agricultural business and the University of Missouri Extension, or with the University of Missouri Extension, and she is passionate about educating farm women and has been involved with Annie's Project since 2004. Also with us today is Annie's Project co-CEO, Doris Mould. She's the president of Sunrise Agriculture Associates, and she's an agriculture consultant, an ag economist, educator, and advocate. She's served on the board of Annie's Project now for four years. So welcome, ladies, and thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for having me. Good to be here. So let's start start out with, uh, can you each tell me a bit about yourself and your background? And um, Ruth, do you want to start? Sure. Uh, Well, my background is I grew up on a small dairy farm in northern Illinois, uh, around Frankfort, Illinois. Hello to my fellow Frankfurters. Um, I went to Carbondale, Southern Illinois University at Carbondale in the early 70s. And that's pretty much what started my adventure to transition from Northern Illinois, where I grew up on a dairy farm, to Southern Illinois, where I fell in love with education, became an educator. Graduated in 1977 with my master's degree. I've done a little bit of international travel, um, spent some time in Belarusia, so I'm very interested in what's all going on over there right now. Uh, Spent some time in Japan. So uh, I've, ha- I've got a pretty broad perspective of uh, agriculture in other parts of the world. Um, the other thing that uh, took up 30 years of my life was working for the University of Illinois Extension. I began my career in 1979, and I retired in 2009. And in that 30-year period, I was able to put together a program, Annie's Project, that culminated in the first class in 2003 with 10 women. And upon my retirement in 2009, that's when I took it to a nonprofit. 2014, we went charitable. And uh, 2018, 19, Carisha Doris, is that when we hired the co-CEOs here? 19. 
2019. So we've been growing ever since this program started in 2003. Awesome. All right. Who wants to go next? Thanks again for having us on today, Chrissy. Um, I have kind of a, a unique, I guess, approach to agriculture because unlike uh, Doris and Ruth, I did not grow up in it. I'm from Mississippi originally, and my dad was the first generation of his family to move away from the farm, to not be involved in the farm. His dad had passed away when he was very young, and his mom moved on back to Mississippi from Tennessee. And so that kind of created that break with agriculture on his side of the family. And so really my only involvement in ag growing up uh, was from visiting the family members on my dad's side and then some local uh, friends that I had that had some cattle farms uh, where I lived. But I always had an interest in agriculture, which was very puzzling to like my dad or even my grandmother or my mom, because they were like, I don't know where this is coming from. So I like to say that it was, you know, somewhere embedded in my blood and maybe, you know, that that's where it came out. But when I went to college, I went to Mississippi State University, I ended up getting um, a bachelor's and a master's degree in agriculture. And I ended up in Missouri after college with a job with the University of Missouri Extension. And during those first few years in extension, I ended up meeting my husband, who is a sixth generation farmer here in Northeast Missouri. And uh, one of the things I learned is, um, you know, there's a whole nother type of education that comes from uh, marrying a farmer and being involved in a family farm. And I think that all of those things, they were kind of happening about the same time that I met Ruth. And Ruth and I had a, a colleague in common, Bob Wells, that introduced us. And uh, Bob helped get me involved in Annie's project. And I think one of the reasons the program really resonated with me is because I saw so much of myself in that. I saw some parallels with Bruce's mom, Annette Flick, with her being raised in town, marrying a farmer. And so I really could identify with um, where some women um their perspective as far as their entry in, into agriculture. And then I, I just really loved the program. I love helping to educate and empower farm women or any woman that's involved in that, excuse me, that's involved in agriculture. So um, that's, that's my story, how I got here. Awesome. And Doris? You know, Carisha, though, you would be remiss if you didn't talk about what you did your uh, doctorate work in. Oh, Yes. Uh, thank you, Doris, for mentioning that. Um, again, Annie's project has always kind of been at the forefront of my mind. So several years back when I had the chance to do a doctorate degree, I, I did my dissertation on meeting the educational needs of farm women, kind of a case study mm -hmm. of Annie's project. So I had the opportunity to meet women from Missouri, Iowa, and Illinois, which were the first three states that kind of where Annie's project really kicked off. And uh, that was, I, I interviewed them from, a, it'd been like 10 years since they'd gone through Annie's project. So just to see what the impacts of the program had been on, on their lives. So it was really learned a lot and it was a great experience meeting all of them. That's amazing. All right. So, you know, we needed to hear about that too, Karusha. Uh, well, thank you, uh, Christine, for inviting us to join you. I'm Morris Mould, and as one of the co-CEOs, um, 
my start in agriculture was probably a little bit more traditional. I grew up on a dairy farm in East Central Minnesota and uh, went to university. I did a triple major as an undergraduate and then did my master's degree in agricultural and applied economics and studied actually farms that went through farmer lender mediation. So I, I studied all of those stressed out farmers um, and very familiar. I, I looked at what 500 different farms um, that went through that program. So got a really good understanding for uh, farms and, and farm farm economics. Um, and after that, uh, I worked as an economist for a little while at the University of Minnesota and have been teaching farm and agribusiness management for the MAST International Program, which um, has celebrated over 70 years of exchange programs with uh, students from all over the world. It started in 1949, and uh, they've had students from over 70 different countries. And I've taught students from probably 40 or 50 of those countries over, over the years. So I just do that one day a week now uh, during the semester. And when I'm not doing that, my husband and I have a dairy farm, a small dairy farm and a beef cow calf operation. And uh, we also, I have an egg consulting business as well. And on top of all of that, I, I work a lot in egg stress programming. So I've been doing a lot of work in that area and uh, do a lot of volunteer work. And that's kind of how I got involved in, that's how I came into Annie's. So where Ruth and Carisha came in as extension staff and really had a passion from that direction, I had a passion from the kind of women in ag and the farm and ag organization background. Um, I had served as president of American AgriWomen and uh, but prior to that, uh, Ruth and I had known each other for quite some time as from her involvement from AgriWomen. And she kind of uh, sucked me into Annie's project uh, as far as, you know, I got asked if I might be interested in serving on the board and uh, kind of the rest is history. I was fortunate enough to to get on the board and then serve with Carisha and Ruth both on the board. And uh, then the board decided they wanted to, uh, they were looking at hiring a CEO and uh, Carisha and I both were interested. That's amazing. Well, these three very busy women, it's amazing. So who is Annie and how did she inspire this incredible nonprofit? Well, Annie is short for Annette Fleck. Annie is my mother. And as Doris had alluded to, or Carisha, one of the two had alluded to, my mother grew up in uh, Frankfurt, Illinois. And where she got her interest on a farm was she would spend the weekends at uh, her grandparents' farm just outside of town. So she thought, well, it'd be kind of cool to marry one of these. Uh, my dad moved out of Chicago in 1937, you know, just amidst all that economic turmoil. And his story, how he got to the farm, was um, they're immigrants. His parents, his mother and father were immigrants from Germany. And Germans knew that if you wanted to raise a large family like my dad was from, you had to be on the land. So that's what drove them from Chicago out into Frankfurt, Illinois. And then my mom and dad met and my mom thought, well, this is cool. Here's a dairy farmer and chickens. We were into a lot of different things. And uh, she married him, 
was married to him for 50 years. Uh, Mom died in 1997. And I always said she died doing things her way because she was a very strong-willed woman. And she spent her lifetime learning how to be a partner with my dad on this farm. And just imagine all the problems that exist today with a woman marrying into a family farm. It just All that stuff still exists today. So when I had a chance to put this program together, I just used my mother as the muse for how could you have benefited, Mom, if you had had a program there to support you in education, in emotional ways? And Annie's project evolved from that. So my mother is the inspiration for the program. I took my experience with 30 years working in extension uh, and all the women who I had interacted with and put this program together and coming up on our 20th year, we're still around meeting women's needs. That's amazing. That, yeah. And and I think that, you know, the thing that's really interesting about, you know, Ruth was such a visionary to come up with this idea. So, you know, relatively early on when women's needs, you know, and it might seem kind of strange now as we, have so many women involved in agriculture. Women have always been there, right? But no one was paying attention to what they needed. And Ruth saw this gap in what was being offered and really uh, very future thinking. And the exciting thing is, is that there is no uh, shortage of demand. It's we're growing, you know, it's not just survived, but it's it's thriving and it's growing. And that's so exciting to see what Ruth started with and how it's evolved over time. Wow, that's in, that's incredible. And a farm is essentially a family legacy. So Annie's project works to works with these women to to really not just you know help them with the business, but it is something to preserve the family farm, right? Uh, it, it is, and we in our basic programming of Annie's project, introduce them to a lot of different topics. And one of them is the estate planning, the transition planning. Because let's face it, Doris has already said it, women are a part of every farm operation all over the world. And we are the mortar between all the bricks that make up a farm operation. We tend to be the focal point of... um, Problem solving. So when generations have problems, it's the woman who gets stuck in between. When you have familiar family problems, it's the woman who gets stuck in between. So we look at women as they're pervasive. They're everywhere in this operation. And from that beginning of teaching them that little bit about transition and estate planning, we have additional programs that they can attend. Managing for Today and Tomorrow is a, is a 15-hour program that focuses on that specific topic of business planning, transition planning, and estate planning. I think another piece to that, too, and it was something that really surprised me when it came out so strongly in my dissertation as a theme, was communication, that going through the Annie's Project program really helped women to communicate better with their spouse or their business partner or other family members. And if you think about succession and estate planning, transition issues, communication is really the 
the cornerstone of that for making that to be successful to to be able to transfer that business to the, that next generation. So, I think um, while we we help uh, women improve their communications with those family members, women learn about personality styles and and how to 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 just really improve those conversations that they're having. And I think that goes a long ways towards passing on that farm legacy or the, whatever farm business, uh, ag operation, however they want to classify it or um, call it, help it to move it on to that that next generation if that is their wish. And, and don't you think, too, that what we're about is, I mean, the communication, they learn the skills, but they grow in confidence and in, mm-hmm. in empowerment and they know their stuff. You know, sometimes when they come into the program, they may be a little unsure, like, okay, this wasn't my thing, or or maybe their their spouse or other family members didn't share in um, them being involved in decision-making or helping them understand certain aspects of the farming operation. And so we expand their knowledge and expand their confidence. And, you know, really... Everybody needs to be empowered, you know, for a farm operation to continue. One one of the things that that and it's important with Annie's is that we empower women, we give them confidence, and we ins- help ensure that their skill set is up to date. And that's really critical in you know the success and the thrive uh, thriving of farming operations and farming operations to continue on for many generations. That's really critical to the process because if people don't have those skill sets and don't have that up to date information, it's hard for them to have uh, a going concern. Yeah. And so who should take the course? Is there a preferred age or a farm size? No, I mean, we're open to, you know, anybody, uh, any age. We've had women that are high school students coming with their moms. And then we've had grandmothers that are in their 80s and 90s taking the course, every different type of operation. You know, the, the joy of Annie's is that they not only learn from the people that might be standing in front of the room or in front of the uh, computer screen, uh, but they learn so much from each other. And I always say that no matter what somebody's role in agriculture is or, you know, whether they want to change the role or their current role, Annie's project has a place for them and can help them provide them with information. So whether they are the producer, whether they're married to the farmer or whether they're wanting to become a farmer, somebody just wanting to begin and have an entrance into agriculture, uh, you know, Annie's project is is here for for all of those individuals. And what's the format? Is it online or in class? Uh, both. So, we have mm-hmm. we have it started off as primarily in person, and we had some test cases, some pilot programs going on pre uh, pre pandemic that were virtual or hybrid combination of virtual and in person. And then during the pandemic, um, in fact, I will say Ruth is extremely visionary because Annie's project had a pandemic plan that was written seven years ago, oh, oh, seven wow. years before the pandemic. Okay, so we had a pandemic plan and I don't think most people had a pandemic plan. So we did. Um, I'm going to give wow. Ruth a big pat <laughs> on the back for that. Uh, Maybe not quite the pandemic we had imagined, but um, we had a plan and uh, and we quickly um 
returned to doing virtual sessions. We did virtual sessions for the women that we train, and we went into doing virtual sessions to train our facilitators and work with the people that helped deliver Annie's project across the country. So it's available across the country, not, um, it's, not just in, in the Midwest? Yes, we're in 38 states on one U.S. Wow. territory. And as, as Doris said, I think virtual has um, has been a new window of opportunity for folks to participate in Annie's Project uh, because if Annie's Project isn't currently in their state, they can go and look to see on our website. We have uh, a link for upcoming classes and they can go to see, you know, what, uh, what state has a virtual class to participate in. I think it's also really helpful for those women who are landowners and they may not live in that state, but perhaps they've inherited ground that's in a current state or they um, purchase ground and they just want to improve their, their knowledge about how um, managing a, an ag operation works, all of those risk management uh, skills they want to, to learn and, and brush up on, they can have a chance to do so. And then also virtual offers just uh, I, I hate to say convenience, but it is kind of that because we have a lot of women that they may have young children and it might be hard for them to get out of the house and actually drive. Uh, some people drive an hour to get to Nanny's Project class. So having something that they can do from their home, still continue learning, but also still take care of their family and other obligations that they have is um, been tremendous in helping us to, to get the program uh, more widespread. Oh, that makes sense. And how long is the course? We have different um, different courses. Our original Annie's Project course is an 18-hour course. And we traditionally would meet one night a week for a six-week period of time for three hours each night. But the way we have it where you can take virtual classes, a lot of the learning, we, it's kind of a flipped classroom learning where Participants can do some self-learning and then come together into a Zoom setting uh, for discussion, to hear from other speakers, to do some activities, that sort of thing. But we do have other classes in that fall underneath the Annie's umbrella. Ruth mentioned earlier the Managing for Today and Tomorrow, which is our state succession transition program. It's a 12-hour program. And then we also have Know Your Numbers, Know Your Options, which is a financial program and it is also a 12-hour program and then we have a lot of courses that fall under something that we call Annie's Inspired or Inspired by Annie's and so when we're going through the the Annie's Project classes there's a lot of topics that come up that women have questions on or they may want more information on and so those classes can be offered um, outside of the original Annie's Project class and we call them Annie's Inspired. Wow. And and we get a number of uh, groups, for instance, that continue to meet. So, for instance, uh, some of our groups in well the Midwest and we found in New York have started marketing clubs and and marketing groups and things like that. Or whatever topic, whatever they need, um, they kind of form their you know they say, hey, we have an interest in studying this further. And so, in in this case, the Annie's Inspired really comes through. And some of these women have been meeting together for years now, you know, the same small group. So um, it's pretty exciting to see those connections that are made. And I'd like to tag on to, you know, uh, Christian, I sat in on a meeting, well, a series of the original, the 
first class, we call it uh, for Annie's, for Purdue was doing uh, a session and they had mainly women from Indiana, but they had this one woman from Connecticut. She had inherited farmland and she wanted to know how to better manage the farmland. So she sat in, she was involved in all of the classes and made some good connections there. And so that's the beauty right now. We don't have an active program in Connecticut, but because we do have these virtual offerings, people can join from other parts of the country, even though we might not have an active program coordinator in the state. But, uh, you know, still a lot of our courses, though, um, especially now that COVID restrictions have uh, been reduced, we do still have a lot of in-person face as we in-person face-to-face classes. We have some that are being offered partially in person. And then they might have a speaker that comes on virtually to speak to the group. Uh, So there's all different kinds of models. We have some that have retreats and they have a retreat style program or then sometimes all virtual. Wow, it sounds very well-rounded. And is there, what, what is the cost? That varies. Yeah, the cost, <laughs> the cost varies by state. We, we do not uh, put any uh, prerequisites on states as far as what they charge. They can decide that for themselves. And, it, and even within a state, sometimes it, it varies by location. But for right now, it seems like the range has been anywhere from 50 to um, a little over $100, 125 And I know that seems like a huge range, but uh, we had actually, Ruth, a uh, long time ago, had added up all of the, all of the, the things that um, participants get out of Annie's project. Uh, and as, and this was years ago, so I'm sure the fee would be more now, but it was, it was $300 or more that um, the, the benefits, all of the, you know, the different resources, there was software that the participants got, just the knowledge that they received from the speakers that came to the class. And so um, some locations, they may be able to offset those costs. They have sponsorships. That, that pay for uh, some of those expenses. Um, but there's also uh, classes, usually, especially if you're meeting in person, uh, you're going to usually serve a meal because it's a three-hour uh, block of time that you have folks that are giving them refreshments and that sort of thing. There may be facility costs. So uh, all of those things kind of add up into the, the total cost of the program per site. Well, that sounds very reasonable. Um, less expensive, but still, it's a great value. Um, Hundred dollars, hundred and fifty is not much when you consider all of the time and and energy that's put into the program. And what if someone wants to help? Do you take donations as well from the from? Of outside? course. Yeah. <laughs> then, you know, I mean, we were able to, we were able to offer something for free. You know. Um, this spring because we had we had a grant for it. So occasionally there, there wow. are grant dollars, but we take donations from companies, individuals, whoever would like to donate. In fact, Ruth is the chair of our development committee. So I'm sure she would love to see more donations. That's good. And then companies can become sponsors too? Most definitely. Well, if you think about it, you know, from a standpoint, especially a company that might be interested, I mean, first of all, helping to ensure the success of farming and ranching and growing operations across the country just by helping the, um, you know, all of the management of that operation being uh, 
very capable, but also um, increasing their understanding of risk management and risk management tools. And that's one of the things that we do as well. And if you think about that, uh, you're reducing the risk in that farming operation. So you're increasing the likelihood of that farm to be successful. And so we think it's a great investment. Actually, I'm going to put a little plug in. We think that's a great investment for businesses to really think of it that way that's you know, uh, if if especially insurance companies and lenders, uh, it's a great program to uh, invest in because it's going to increase the likelihood of the success of that farming operation. And, uh, you know, it's a domino effect, right? If farms are successful, everybody else down the line should be more successful as well. Yeah, those are some great points. And um, Ruth, you, you touched on this a little bit before, and I thought it was interesting about um but so many things have changed over the last generation since Annie's time but but there is that one thing that hasn't changed though is the the impact of that strong female farming partner and uh, and that's really interesting and that is such a good great addition to the farm's success so in what ways has the role changed over the years and how can this generation learn from the strong business minded women of the past well, well, let's just first talk about how much the program has evolved, <clears throat> even since we started this program. Um, when we started, I would say one in 10 women had emails. Now it's the opposite. We all have emails. Hardly anybody uses paper for sending out stuff. Uh, computers. It was kind of a novelty. We were teaching women how to use spreadsheet in the early classes, uh, how to use databases for managing information. Now, everything is an app, a software. Um, the younger generation comes in with all the computer skills where when we started this program 20 years ago, we were teaching those computer skills. Wow. And in the classroom, the younger people were teaching the older people the uh, computer skills, the technologies that were out there, you know, back there 20 years ago. And it was interesting because all of those women with life experiences were then working with the younger generation, you know, kind of filling in their gaps of what it was going to be like, you know, what their life was going to be like on the farm. So uh, I'd say technology has had a huge, huge impact on um, what women do on these farms. Uh, technology has allowed women to do better job with record keeping. And I say better job. I mean, that was my mother's job on the farm. She was meticulous. And, and you know, I grew up watching this. And um, some of the other things, just technology makes it possible for women to uh, operate farm machinery or before they couldn't. Uh, uh, how many combine drivers, combine operators do we know are the women and everything is just sort of like a joystick over there you know button pushing and you know it, it just really does make that job for them to join in the operation that much easier yeah and Krisha, do you have anything to add to that when Ruth was uh, talking about that it, it reminded me of a, an article I had read uh, many years ago when I was working on my dissertation and it was talking about how, you know, women were originally the ones that that were in charge of planting the crops. And in a lot of, uh, uh, you know, developing nations, third world countries, they still are. They're the ones that are in charge of, of doing doing the, the labor, putting the crops in, of harvesting. 
And this article talked about the invention of the plow was kind of the turning point where all of a sudden strength was required. You know, you really needed to have upper body strength. You needed to 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 be you know really strong in order to to plow the ground up to to make that work. And so kind of shifted to to males. And and we do know that women have always been involved in agriculture, but uh, the article kind of said that this, the whole um, realm of technology, how things are turning around, you know, it's, it's not a matter of strength anymore. You know, everything is women are running these pieces of equipment. Women are very savvy when it comes to, to learning these things. So I just, I just found that that is interesting and how, um, you know, technology has kind of done it, I think, a complete 360 when it comes to, to agriculture. And, um, you know, it's not uh, necessarily uh, a matter of strength anymore. It's the smarts. The advertisers, I have noticed, uh, some of them are appealing to the women who are coming back to the farm or who are taking on farms as a second career. You know, they may be retired from their city jobs and they're now out on 10, 20, 30 acres or in, you know, going back to the farm. So some of the, the implement dealers I have noticed, um, I don't, I don't want to say names out loud here, but they are appealing to the ability to women, for women to operate that equipment to make their job easier on some of these farms that they're coming back to. Yeah, but, but you know, I think that's an interesting point, point Ruth. And I, uh, I think part of it is, is that, you know, they're appealing to more lifestyle farmers, right? Exactly. Than, than maybe the commercial farmers, you know, the big equipment and things like that. And we see women involved in all of those operations, all those uh, types of, of farms. But, um, you know, it's women have always been there, right? But we're starting to see women, more women, I think, take on the role as primary operator primary producer, right? That we've got more women that are claiming that space than ever before. And part of it is because, um, you know, if we look at like the census, the census uh, changed in how they approached questions in the 2017 census. And there'll be some additional changes in the 2022 census, but they started asking questions differently for a long time. Um, when it, people were collecting data, they weren't. They didn't ask any questions about gender at all. It was just kind of assumed that you were a guy if you were farming, right? And then the woman, I guess, was just uh, relegated to being the helpful handmaid. And and then uh, then they started asking questions about gender. But a lot of us think of uh, the the person that drives the tractor around is the farmer. Right. That's been kind of society's attitude. And so we've started to see a change and an adjustment in society and then amongst women and men themselves, as far as what they consider a farmer, you know, doing bookkeeping, making financial decisions. You're a farm manager. Right. Those women have been in a management role for a long time. They just didn't either. They didn't take credit or society didn't give them credit or they wouldn't allow women to take credit and they still don't. But with the advent of different questions getting asked in the census, we see that, you know, we saw a huge jump in the women that were listed as producers. And we'll see another jump now, I think, on the next census. And part of that is because 
were asking the right questions, those women were always there. But I think there are also more women now getting involved in farming as their first and foremost, their their ag career, right? That's, they, yeah, they'll, they're going to take over the farm and it's not, there's might not be a brother around or maybe the brother isn't interested. So we are seeing a bit more of that, but I think, you know, society is finally coming around to, oh, yes, women can do this. They can be a farmer in their own right. And women are claiming that space, which is good to see. And nothing wrong with the women that are the supporting cast either. We're, Annie's project is there for them as well. But it's nice to see that women of any level of interest, whether they want to be the primary producer or want to support the farming operation, you know, we're there for them and helping to empower and increase their skills. Excellent points. I think, Chrissy, that's what makes our program so unique from a lot of other programs. And and I do recall when we started out this program, people said, well, how are you going to get over these barriers? Number one, how is livestock going to interact with grain? How are young people going to interact with, oh, I mean, they just, they didn't have that imagination they were all educating like-minded, similar groups. Mm-hmm. And I looked at it as that is an advantage that you take generations and put them in the same room, that you take an organic farmer and put them alongside the commercial farmer, that that only expands everybody's horizons in the room. So th- th- I think that uniqueness of our program has done us well in these last 20 years. So, um, I, I, and I still remember the one critique I had when we started the program was it was 18 hours and everybody groaned inside and said, women are no way going to give you 18 hours for this. Well, it turned out that that 18 hours was just kind of a beginning for a lot of those women. They would ask, well, when are we going to do this again? Or my favorite were a couple of classes that forgot to tell the spouses that the class ended and they continued going, you know, whatever that evening or that day meeting was. And they just would meet together as a group. So. So, you know, you sometimes you, you can't listen to the echo chambers when you're putting some of this stuff together. And because I didn't, and because I got women like Doris and Carisha there, who's backing this program up, I think we're going to be around for a long time yet. Well, and, and you know, I think you brought up a really good point, Ruth, is that, you know, we, we talk about isolation and farming operations when we talk you know, we talk when we talk about farm stress and and things, and and we kind of focus on the male again is the primary focus when we talk about egg stress. But you know, there's a lot of stress that women carry, and women carry the stress not only of their own stress but that of the entire family and that of their spouse. And it's really critical for these women to have other people to interact with. So they don't feel isolated, right? And so those women were feeling a need to continue to interact and connect with other women because they maybe didn't have any other people that understood them, that understood what they were going through. And they found some comrades, so to speak, some some other people that could get them. Really, you know, I understand what you're going through. May not be exactly the same, but I get it. 
you know, I get it when this isn't working out and that this is happening or that's happening. Things are tight. Um, and, and that was why these women probably wanted to continue to, to hang out together. Yeah. That relationships are, are so important, especially for remote. And, and the last two years has really proved that none of us liked isolation, even if we only did it for a couple months, <laughs> right? We've all learned that we do need each other and, and to have a support network. Risha, wasn't that one of your founding uh, premises? Of- it it was. Had? It was another strong thing that came out in my dissertation was the network, the wow. women that, um, yeah, just who they met and not only the other women in the audience, but the network of um, people that they met through the guest speakers that, that came in. And I'll share a really quick story that to me really highlights all of that. And this is from a, a lady that was from Missouri. She'd gone through Annie's project. And then uh, a year or so after she had finished the class, her husband died in a tragic farming accident. And she had three kids. Two of her sons really wanted to farm one day, but they were Still, one was in middle school, one was in high school, and everybody around her told her to sell the farm. Like, you can't do it. You can't keep it together. You need to sell it. So she was hearing that from some family, but also from her lender, from her attorney, from um, her accountant. And so she, she really thought about it, and she wanted to keep that farm together for her sons to farm uh, when they got old enough to. And so she went back to what she learned in Annie's project, and she went back through the list of contacts that she received through Annie's project and through, um, you know, the guest presenters that came in as she leaned on those other women that she met. And she formed a support group around herself of people that did believe in her and believed in her vision. So she got a new accountant. She got a new lender. She got a new attorney. And her grown sons are farming today because she listened to the voice within herself that said, yes, I can do this. And what is so, what really drives me and makes me love Annie's project so much is she had that within herself all alone. But sometimes you need somebody to remind you that, yes, you can do it. And to me, that's what Annie's project played in that moment for her is that because that we gave her that information, we helped her meet other people, those guest presenters that came in, she had that new network, all of that just reinforced what she really knew deep inside that she could do it. And I'm so happy that we could play a role in helping her with that. That's amazing. I love that. I was going to say, and there are other stories like that. And now she's farming with her sons right now, isn't she, Carisha? She part-time, but or she, there, was, yeah. Yeah. She, she also works in town. So, you know, but but we hear this story time and time again, and actually we heard the story from now one of our uh, women that is one of our program coordinators and has gone into ag lending. A similar story mm-hmm. um, happened that her, her uh, father, she was farming with her folks and her father was killed in an ag farming accident and um, she and her mother took Annie's project together. She and her mother didn't get along. And they took the class together because they thought it was important if they were going to keep farming that they needed to gain some more skills, but also figure out a way to communicate with one another and circle back to that communication, as Carisha said earlier, how that is key. And um, 
And she said that that was why it was successful. You know, they were able to successfully keep farming. And also it's a big reason why she's now wanting to support Annie's project and provide Annie's project for other women in her area. She's coming back now and she's going to coordinate and facilitate programming for us. And so, you know, it's the gifts that keeps on giving, right? Mm -hmm. And in in this time right now that we're going through, it seems like there are attacks on the family farm from every direction. And so it's more important than ever for producers to be educated about all the aspects of the business uh, in order to thrive these tough times. Mm -hmm. So what advice do each of you have for producers as we enter the second half of 2023 and beyond? I, for one, am totally stoked about if anybody's in agriculture, you are in the right place. Uh, The world still has to eat. And you have the resources to be able to feed them. I love agriculture in the United States because we are such a broad tent. We can accommodate the organic, the small lifestyle operation as well as the, um, I want—I don't want to use a derogatory term, but you know, large size operations yeah. that have uh, some people said have gained a bad reputation. Uh, we we service all of those, and if you are in the United States and in agriculture, you are in the right place at this time. And coming up on 2023, I I am just so optimistic of what's happening in agriculture. That's great to hear. Krisha? That's hard to follow up on, Ruth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I I am too. I I guess I just um just also encourage people to to really um don't forget to pencil things out and know your numbers, kind of going back to one of our other um, curriculums that we have, but to, you know, know what your cost of production happens to be, you know, know what you can afford for if you're doing cash rent or if you're wanting to make any kind of improvements uh, to your ground or different enterprises. But just, I always just stress to people, please um, pencil out your numbers. Good advice. Doris? I will concur with what both Ruth and Carisha have said, but I'll add something else in. I think it's really important for you to look at taking care of yourself and your family. And if you are struggling and you're having trouble, if you have anxiety or, or you know trouble sleeping at night or you are getting depressed or just having, you don't be no word for it, that... Um, that you ask for help and that there's a lot of help out there. And folks seeing somebody out there struggling, sometimes they are at a point where they cannot ask for help, step up alongside them and help them out. And it might not be a whole lot that you have to do, but gives people time and give them a friendly ear and help them where you can. And, you know, so if you're not able to help them um, with anything from physical resources, uh, just being there and being a friend and help guiding them to a lot of the resources that are available out there. One of the wonderful things that's happened with all of the um, 
ag stress things that are going on there. There are more resources available now than ever. And nobody should have to live their life stressed out. Uh, as Ruth pointed out, we have wonderful opportunities in agriculture. There are things that cause stress, but there are ways to overcome that. And we should all have a happy and healthy life, and we deserve that. And uh, there are ways to uh, work around some of the struggles that we have. So need to make sure that we take care of ourselves, take care of our families, take care of our communities. And uh, the rest of it, uh, we'll be able to be able to pencil out our numbers in and figure things out. And we'll be able to have the highly successful farms and lives that we deserve. Excellent words of wisdom. And I have one last question for each of you. Why do you personally serve the ag industry? Why did God put you on this earth with this, these roles in agriculture? It's all I know. <clears throat> uh, born and raised in agriculture, still isn't involved with agriculture. Uh, it's, it's my life. It's my life, and I'm sharing it through a program called Annie's Project. Lovely. I'll go back to my introduction, Chrissy. When I I, I mentioned, and I kind of joked about it, but I do I do wonder if it is something in the blood or something that is um, I don't know deep inside me. But I've always had a love for agriculture, even when I wasn't in agriculture. I would go to Walmart and buy the farm and ranch magazines. You'll know what I'm talking about. They still have them. And like my parents would be like, why do you want that? I would always beg them to buy me one of those. So it's just always been something that that's been within me. Um, I, as I said, I've been, a, I'm married a farmer. Uh, our son is going to be our daughter. One of them, hopefully, maybe if they are interested, will be that next generation to kind of carry on that that farming legacy and uh, just the being able to educate and empower women that means so much to me to any way that I can do to help another woman uh, solve a problem or move forward or or live out their dreams I I want to be involved in that so Annie's project perfectly pairs my love of agriculture and helping women amazing and Doris wow I uh (laughs) <laughs> after both of you that's kind of hard acts to follow but i guess um you know agriculture is life and my life is agriculture it always has been and always will be from the time i was a little kid being asked by my aunts uh, family gatherings what i wanted to do i said i wanted to be a farmer And uh, they said, no, you want to marry a farmer? And I said, no, I want to be a farmer. So I was always an odd one out. But um, I am a farmer, not only of the farm that we have, but I I look at myself as a farmer of people and helping people be successful in agriculture and helping people understand agriculture for those those people that are outside of agriculture looking in. And I just find that... Annie's project and the other ag work that I do is so incredibly fulfilling and it's an it's it's not a question of doing it or not doing it because there was always somebody there for me somebody helped me along my journey and I just feel that it's crucial to help others on their journey love it that's great 
And so where can people find you if someone wants to find a, a course near them? Annie'sproject.org on the internet. Uh, we also are on Facebook and uh, Twitter as well. We announce things on Twitter. And uh, so you can find information. We've got a map of the United States. You click on the state you're interested in. And if you don't find anything in your state, you email us. And that email address is on, on the website as well. And we'll help you out. Perfect. Well, thank you, ladies, for joining me. What a great conversation. And, and you, you're all doing such great things for, for the industry and supporting these farms and, and preserving these farm families. It's really incredible. Thank you, Chrissy, for having us. We're, we're thrilled that we are able to access your abilities to put our word out there as well. So thank you. Thank you, Chrissy. Awesome. Yeah, we appreciate it, Chrissy. And just a one last word. Uh, mm -hmm. We're not preserving farm families. We're helping them thrive and yeah. grow and uh, be productive, hopefully, for uh, many centuries to come. Very good. Well, thank you so much. And thanks to all who are watching or listening. And don't forget to subscribe to our North American Ag Spotlight YouTube, Rumble, Telegram, or Eggfuse channels. And the podcast is available on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, Amazon, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And have a great day. Thanks so much for listening to today's Egg Spotlight episode, where we put the spotlight on people and companies doing great things for the agricultural industry. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple, Amazon, Spotify, Stitcher, or on your favorite podcasting platform and give us a five-star review. You can also follow us on YouTube and Rumble to see the video version of Ag Spotlight. Also, head on over to NorthAmericanAg.com to subscribe to our Industry Connect update newsletter. If you're interested in advertising opportunities, email us at connect at NorthAmericanAg.com. Thanks for listening. newest podcast by North American Ag is called What Color Is Your Tractor? The stories behind the ag brands you love and the ag brands you love to hate. Hosted by me, Chrissy Wozniak. We take a deep dive into the companies that have built modern agriculture. Subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform. Go to whatcolorisyourtractor.com. Available on Apple, Amazon, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Fastline Auctions, the ultimate destination for online farm equipment auctions. Looking to list equipment? Fastline Auctions knows farmers, and farmers have trusted Fastline for their equipment needs for over 45 years. With unmatched digital reach and direct-to-farmer catalogs, they can find the right buyer for your equipment. Not to mention, they have the industry's lowest commission rates. And if you're looking for equipment to buy, you can bid with confidence. No buyer premiums, no reserves, just integrity. Fastline Auctions, your trusted platform for hassle-free, cost-effective farm equipment auctions. Visit Fastline.com for more information. You can join us for a tour of the Fastline Auctions platform July 13th at 6.30 p.m. To register for this webinar, go to NorthAmericanAg.com slash Fastline hyphen webinar. That's NorthAmericanAg.com slash Fastline hyphen webinar to register now.